And I'm Molly. And this is episode of Story Guts, where this we Molly. <laughs> this where, is Story no, Guts. No, we got it. I got it. Where we talk about what the stories we tell tell about us. Boom, nailed it after like forty seconds. Um, you got it. You got it. So uh, this week's episode, we're talking about um, dead girl stories, and specifically, there's a fairly famous article we're working off of. Um, called The Oldest Story Towards a Theory of a Dead Girl Show by Alice Boleyn. Yeah, and this is on the LA Review of Books. I don't know how well known it is, but it was going around Tumblr, and I am forcing my students to read it um, in my class I'm teaching, so it's going to be well known. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, and to sort of recap what the article is, uh, we could have spliced like a 15-minute silent bit to let you read it and then come back to the <laughs> podcast, but we're not going to do it. Uh, well, I guess, Molly, you can start because this is the oh, end Oh, okay. You want, you want me to right, I can start. Out? I can start. No, okay. What? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, the, the dead girl story is kind of specifically talking about the phenomena of some shows such as uh, Twin Peaks, Pretty Little Liars, Top of the Lake, um, to use the death of a pretty young woman, usually white, um, as the inciting kind of uh, point for storyline of where men try to solve the murder and usually kind of like gets into like the nitty gritty of um, I don't know just like the the horror that lurks at the heart like the, the death of the woman is something that is used as a catalyst and used as a way for men to process their feelings about themselves yeah to sort of process like the darkness in the world and the horror of life um and sort of the premise of this article is that Twin Peaks was kind of the the, the seed that started it all. Um, and it's sort of, it is sort of like the ur-text of dead girl shows. Um, and everything sort of that's come after it owes something to it, but are sort of doing infinite variations on a similar, um, similar concept where sort of the first iconic image of Twin Peaks, right, is Laura Palmer's dead body, like, on the, on the, by the side of the lake, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, given, well, okay, and so the other thing that this article is talking about um, is that uh, dead girl shows simultaneously position the dead girl at the center as being sort of, um, super complicated, dangerous, problematic, like... Sexually active. Sexual, um, just sort of in in all these ways, like, it's always sort of like this innocent-seeming young girl, and then you you sort of unfold her story, and it it gets wilder and wilder and more and more outrageous. Um, But at the same time, like, most male authority figures are positioned as untrustworthy... 
um, I think in the in the article, the way that she phrases it, phrases it is as trust no dad is sort of a <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, a guiding principle, um, except for the fact that in many of these cases, the central character is a male authority figure. It's so, a dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of a, a tricky. So do you, do you think this is kind of uh... Before we delve in, I was just curious, like, do you think this is reflective of, like, the good dad, bad dad, the good dad, bad dad dichotomy? Like, either, like, like, all of this speaks to, I think, a certain, I mean, yeah, like, a certain fascination with the Oedipal, like, the, the sin of, I don't know, I mean, I feel like a lot of them do, like, sort of touch on incest. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 I mean, and that's also a point the article makes. Um, and, and the, the sort of varying degrees of incest, or not degrees, but like types, I guess. So what the article points out is that, um, the, um, in in all, several of the major examples, characters think that they have, um, had sex with a, um, sibling or a half sibling that they didn't know about. Um, There's a lot of, like, surprise incest, surprise siblings, um, and, and this is, like, a pretty, pretty standard feature, but then there is also this layer of the, um, Oedipal, well, it's more the other one. Electra. Electra. Yeah. Um, but it's the, it's the, um, the, the, the father-daughter, not always literally, um, a father and a daughter, but the adult figure and the sort of young girl or woman um and the the sexualization of that relationship um the sort of way that relationship um ends in tragedy and betrayal and murder often Mm -hmm. i mean not to spoil it but sometimes it's the dad (laughs) yeah i mean we're we're going to be going deep into spoiler territory i'm going to spoil twins twin peaks season two season three sorry Oh. The return from Molly. Maybe. I mean You can, it's I, okay. Yeah, I mean I think um I think it's very interesting. Well Twin Peaks at least is uh is kind of the pre progenitor, progenitor how do you pronounce it? Progenitor? Progenitor. I think. Okay. Um where there's there's a lot of like things tying Laura to like this uh in this, this innocence, but also like this dark innocence. Like she is simultaneously a symbol of innocence and also a force that leads people astray. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, and this becomes kind of more explicit in the, in the return where it's kind of, there's an episode where it's kind of implied that Lara is actually like a, a correcting force sent to earth, like to counter Bob, uh, who was released as in like in an act of evil, like the first, mm-hmm. first, uh, nuclear bomb test. Um, and it's interesting because that was a, a surprisingly straightforward episode for a season that I didn't really know what they were doing. Like, a lot of people were like, that's just, like, that wraps things up very neatly. <laughs> um, okay. I'm with you, but I think we should hop back okay, sure. to Twin Peaks, the season- original flavor. Okay, sure. <laughs> Nacho cheesier. Um, because, so, in the original Twin Peaks, um, Laura Palmer is this beautiful, white, blonde, homecoming queen type. Um, you know, with her steady boyfriend and her wholesome family in this small town. 
And then one day she's found murdered. Um, and exactly as I was saying before, sort of as the the detective who's an FBI agent, um, Dale Cooper, who comes to town and he's investigating her murder and sort of is learning more and more about her and about her, um, you know, her secret other boyfriend she was seeing and her... Um, her drug use and her uh, sort of like sex capades and a secret job that she had and yeah. mm-hmm. um, like oh was she was she you know acting as like a sex worker at some point um, and just kind of like layers upon layers of this hidden life. I mean, in one of the crucial like elements in the story and something that was sold later after the show was maybe not after the show was off. I can't remember. Well, I, I was not. I was like a child, um, but <laughs> I, I can't remember the fact um, is the secret diary of Laura Palmer, right? Well, oh, yeah, Which is yeah. this hidden diary that um, uh, ends up having a lot of crucial information and that was eventually sold as a book that you could get to learn all the secrets, oh, yeah. the dirty secrets of Laura Palmer, so this- seemingly innocent, beautiful blonde girl. I think um, oh, there. I guess I have two thoughts. One, as an aside, it was very frustrating trying to watch uh, season three, uh, just because people people kept saying like, "Oh, this is clearly a callback to like the diary," and like, "This is a callback to the fire within." No, 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 no. no fire walk with me. Fire walk with me, not the fire within. Um, and it just sort of felt like there was a lot of like meta textual elements that just you're, not, you're just not a big enough lynch head. I know. I another. I mean, I, I sort of feel like this is the when we look at this grander narrative of how the media treats women, uh, if we think of like uh, Britney Spears uh, or Taylor Swift or something like this idea of like, Oh, innocent girl. But like, you know, she's like, we're waiting to find out like what makes her dirty. Yeah. Um, Or like what, like, you know, there's, or this assumption that there's no, there's that a woman by existing is a corrupting force. Like, I think it's it's really interesting to sort of we we're talking about like oh like the the in like the incest the the things that come out like this the protective good father figure the Dale Cooper that's like loves pie doing everything like very upstanding never does mm-hmm. anything wrong to like who we find out later to be the person who raped and killed her um, as like you know the the two demons whispering in the ear of like socialized masculinity like this is how you treat women like this is how you view women this is how but like this is how we're telling you to treat them but also not right i don't know (laughs) got a little little incoherent at the end there but i think i got you (laughs) um i mean yeah i get i get what you're saying like you twin peaks is full of full of dads Mm -hmm. um both like actual dads and sort of these male authority figures and um some of them you trust like dale cooper or harry truman um who's Mm -hmm. the sheriff um and some of them you don't like audrey's dad whatever his name is who's just clearly a skis ball um and then some like laura's dad leland palmer you don't really know how to feel about Mm -hmm. to begin with um, he basically is like uh, losing his mind with grief. Um, he he very famously like 
dances his grief out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And his hair all turns white. Um, Overnight. But then, of course, I mean, spoiler, the, 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 the solution to who killed Laura Palmer is her father. Sort of. So, um, yeah, like, her her father had had been, um, like, raping and abusing her since she was a child and then ultimately murdered her. However, um, it's implied, if not outright stated, that uh, this is because he was possessed by a scary, scary demon creature spirit let's say demon let's um, say spirit named bob called bob called bob yeah um and and it's very and there's like this famous line it's also used in the article where it's where upon finding this out you know and including the part about the demon possession i think dale cooper right because someone's like that does that's not believable like a demon Mm-hmm. And and then Dale Cooper says, "Yeah, Dale Cooper's like, you know, I, what's more believable that a dad would like molest and kill his own daughter, or that a demon possessed him and made him do it?" I'm paraphrasing, but um, basically implying that it's it's a lot more believable that a demon possessed this man than that he was abusing his own daughter. Now, I think there's like some intentional irony in this, mm-hmm. um, but there's also something disquieting about hearing your sort of like good dad figure be so clueless yeah mm-hmm. right right yeah so yeah i don't know what to make of that yeah and i think uh and i think it's interesting like sort of the way the like the like we're talking about how the when we dig at the bones of the dead girl story we sort of see the the contradictory ways with which the media treats women and which we sort of position uh like masculinity mm-hmm. or like it's being used to like work out issues right there's like the concept of i mean the famous concept of fridging which is like you know in super superhero comics or storybooks they kill off the daughter or wife of a superhero male superhero to give him something to agonize and like brood over like this oh, sorry come on no no keep going okay no i mean i was just saying like this is this is to me it seems like a very something in the similar vein like this is we're using, we're seeing women's lives used as a way to process, like, men's emotions. And I think this is, in a way, like, even, in a way, like, more horrible, just because this is, like, it's not, it's it's not, like, a reusable resource. Like, we are saying uh, the price of, like, you know, one man coming to realization with the darkness of life is the life of... A young woman or something. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to assemble these thoughts. No, I think but... I think you're totally spot on, and I think you can even see that in in sort of this genre of the sort of dead girl show, but also in its sort of like cousin genre of the detective show, where mm. there are so many, so many um, lead male detectives who their entire backstory is that they have a dead wife or a dead child or both dead daughter often just saying um (laughs) who was murdered somehow and they don't know how they haven't been able to solve it um and usually it was some sort of often it was some sort of like revenge against because this detective was so brilliant and busted the wrong criminal and or was getting too close and so 
this criminal murdered his family. Um, and that's like, that's where the story picks up. The story picks up, the family's dead, and he's just brooding over it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no word of that's, that's a backstory behind great detective, giant dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay. I, was, I was just like trying to think. I was like, I don't know anything about the show, but uh-huh. I feel like I, I'm now extremely curious. If like at some point he's like, I'm a giant dick because of my mom, and they're like, Wow, you know, it must be like maternally transferred. Mm-hmm. And he's like, No, I mean, my mom died, and that's why I like push everyone away. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 one of those. But tropes. but but this is definitely like um this was the backstory in the show Monk. This was the backstory in the show um. Oh, what was it called? The, the, oh, it had that guy from The Devil Wears Prada. Well, anyway, it wasn't particularly, oh, The Mentalist. It wasn't particularly good. Okay. Um, I know know Elementary kind of had, kind of had that, but also subverted it. Yeah. Yeah. With Natalie Dormer. Yeah. um, With, yeah, with Irene Adler. That was, that was definitely an interesting um, take and then subversion. Mm -hmm. Um. But, I mean, and then even on shows where it ne- doesn't necessarily have that to start with, they build it in. I think in NCIS, they build that in if, it's, if it isn't already there to begin with. Um, Criminal Minds, they build it in. They kill off one of the character's wives in a, you know, revenge killing because he's on the trail of a criminal. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a really, really, really predictable formula. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that it's about the idea that it takes a woman's life to allow a man to sort of like, yeah, process life. Like, Mm -hmm. like that's what gives him real feeling um, is like the death of a woman. Right. And this, this is failed to protect. Right. Yeah. And this is something we kind of see where like, Oh, you know, I didn't really understand this until I had a daughter or, or Mm -hmm. something or uh, narratives it's it's dang troubling. I'm getting giving myself <laughs> You get getting a little upset, aren't you? <laughs> like, out of here. No, I've been there. Getting heated. Getting heated. Uh, but to sort of pull pull the camera uh, back in a little bit, um, on the dead <laughs> on the dead girl story. So we have Twin Peaks as the um, as a beginning and I I kinda wanted to to do a do a side trip briefly into video games. Um, yeah. And we can sort of go back to TV in a little bit. But I, I was just sort of doing some research, and I'm I'm terrible. I don't play enough video games. I know Silent Hill 2 had, like, the dead wife. Like, a man comes to, ta- comes to town, the town, Silent Hill, um, because his wife died and, like, sent him a letter telling him to go there. And he's, like, trying to figure out what happened. Um, and, you know, no no big surprises here. Like, the entire town is, like, manifests horrors based on, like, his... Uh, guilt over the fact he killed his wife and, like, repressed the memory. Um, and then there's another one called Deadly Premonition, which is kind of, like, almost identical to the the classic dead girl storyline, where there's a dead girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> detectives trying to figure it out, and the killer's, like, striking again and again, and maybe at one point, you know, his mom was actually killed by the killer here. Uh, and I... It was interesting because I... These are both horror, uh, horror games, and that's and you don't find this trope in um, any other genre that I can think of, or at least it's not really explored the same way. We're talking about how Twin Peaks is doing it, how Pretty Little Liars is doing it, how we really 
how the dead girl is used as part of the plot to like as a fundamental force in the plot like she keeps reappearing other you know physically but also in like notes and memoirs and Mm -hmm. evidence like her corpse her body is constantly coming back up and you don't get that in video games except for i think horror games and more contemplative games because because like of the power fantasy of games uh because of um most games do not expect you to remember what happened uh in the first 15 minutes of your game or like they they expect you to remember but like the the broadest outlines like you're not really doing a deep dive into the psyche and and you know let's face it like a lot of video games also have like a good bad uh, morality system kind of like put into it these days uh and which which kind of just denudes the whole uh sort of fatalist kind of feel of some of these shows of like this is the only way it could have gone down um and and sort of is that yeah i i think i get what you're saying though i'm i something that pinged for me when you're talking about sort of the power fantasy of um video games is that i think detective stories are a power fantasy too okay fair Right? Mm-hmm. Don't you think like the the appeal of a detective story or of a mystery is that you want you want to solve it. Mm-hmm. You want to piece together the clues that you're given. You want to try and find your way to the end. Mm-hmm. Um I think we talked a little bit about that in the in the cops episode, but like I would say in these in these types of shows it's actually even more because it's usually a um it's a season long if not series long mystery um that like finding the satisfying conclusion to is really like the goal of the show and and what the viewer wants so so the fact that twin peaks was promoted with this phrase who killed laura palmer um the killing was a show which i think similarly um was centered around a a dead a dead girl um and in the advertising and everything, the question was who killed her. And it's 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 trying to invite the audience into that detective process, mm-hmm. um, while still sort of giving them the chance to be shocked. But mm-hmm. I think like um, in in the article, um, it, one of the things it talks about when it talks about um, True Detective is the way that this huge following. Um, sprung up around it like almost immediately. It's not a very long show. It's like ten episodes or something, um, and but but because of because of the way that it's um, really just picking up all of the all of the tropes that came before it. Of you've got dead girl. I guess it's slightly different in that um, the 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 women who are killed in this show are primarily uh, sex workers, which is another kind of dead girl um but you still have this obsession with um with finding who's the killer who's the who's the serial killer there are all these clues um there's just a huge overflow of information honestly so that by the time we got to the final episode there were tons of like really intense theories with drawing from like little images and screen caps and like literary references Mm -hmm. um and then the actual solution was like not that complicated (laughs) um and you know pretty much the the furor over it kind of just died down the second it ended Mm -hmm. um 
but I think I think the 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 popularity of it is the power fantasy of we are gonna solve it. We are gonna we are gonna find out who who is the killer, who is the bad guy, who hurt this girl. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they failed to protect her, but maybe I can. <laughs> and and I guess this is I, I think it's it's interesting you're talking about this um, because like what about stuff like serial or making of a murderer mm-hmm. where it where we're sort of moving from the fictional dead girl story to yep. the historical dead girl story and we're saying um let's look you know we we're inviting the audience to actually solve murder which is uh kind of not great because certain crowdsourcing internet the internet to solve things is not traditionally done very super well yeah it's not they're not great um kind of racist huge error rate tendency to frame uh minorities for the murder so um no but i think i think that's that's completely apt um and something i've been really interested in watching develop is the way that we've started treating i mean i think this has always been true true crime has always been a thing but more and more sort of like new media the new way that we um can obsess over these things and um like the way serial each new episode people would be trying to piece together clues like it was fictional Mm -hmm. um it's disturbing to be honest i mean I, i i totally understand where it's coming from um i'm I'm into these things. Like this is mm-hmm. this is why I am thinking about it so much. But um but it is it's it is disturbing. Like these these aren't fictional women mm-hmm. who are meant to stand in for all of society's evils or whatever. They're right. real people. Mm-hmm. Um there's this amazing book. Um I've talked about it before. No, please. Um maybe not on the podcast, but in life all the time, called The Red Parts by Maggie Nelson. And it's the story, it's a true story, um, where Maggie Nelson, who's this amazing essayist, poet, critic, um, she is talking about how um, her aunt was killed um, several, like, 35 years earlier, um, before Maggie Nelson was even born. And uh, so her aunt was murdered, and her case went unsolved for 35 years. And during this time, like, as Maggie Nelson grew up, she was sort of hearing a little bit about this, um, thinking about it, but didn't really know anything. And when she got older, she wrote a book of poetry that was sort of about the death of her aunt, Jane. Um, and so there's a book of poetry she wrote. It's called Jane a Murder. Cool. Um, but then just as that book was getting published, she found out that the case had been reopened and they were arresting somebody. And... Like, he was going to be put on trial. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so the the book is sort of her talking through, like, she attended this trial, and she was um, trying to understand what had happened and sort of working through the, um, the unsolvability of this mystery, even though there was an abundance of information. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, like, grappling with the questions of, like, who gets to tell the story? That's, mm-hmm. You know, who gets to tell the story of someone who died? Who, like, what is responsible storytelling? Mm-hmm. Like, 
how is there a way to tell these stories without being exploitative is there a way to tell these stories without being racist um or contributing to a system of racism that sort of values the lives of you know pretty white women over so 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 many other people who are also hurt and suffering um i mean i think you made a point earlier about how you know the obsession with like innocence and then the corruption of innocence um like when when is britney spears going to what's going to make her dirty Mm -hmm. um but i think it's also worth noting that that's that's a formula that's put together for white girls pretty much yeah um Mm -hmm. because that presumption of innocence that can be corrupted doesn't exist for um many many girls of color um Mm -hmm. so I just, I think this book by Maggie Nelson, like, works through a lot of those questions in a really, really just profoundly good way. Mm-hmm. I recommend it highly if you are interested in um, mystery, true crime, dead girl stories, whatever, or just mm-hmm. good good books. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's interesting um, thinking about it is, and trying to, trying to piece together uh, the idea that, like, nothing is ever really lost, like mm-hmm. we with serial, like you know, you're digging up a case or making of a murder, right? You're digging up a case from a while ago, and you're mm-hmm. there's kind of this like, like this idea that like information is still there, like in the mm-hmm. ether, and like you know, I'm sure it is, in, in a way, but like that something can be truly lost, that some uh, that things can die in this sense, like information can die, is like also unsettling. Um, and I'm not, you know, co- going back to the dead girls. Like this is in sense, like, um, like if a if you, um, I'm like I sort of see it as like an obsession with immortality. Like you know, all like I've left so many traces that seem ephemeral. But like if someone's looking for me, they can they can deduce you know that I mm-hmm. live, what my interests were, where I've been, mm-hmm. um, from like these ephemeralia, from a mm-hmm. credit card statement. Uh, Secret diary. Secret diary from from some pages I hid in a table. Um, And, yeah, and I don't know how that necessarily relates back to the dead girl story. This is, we're sort of talking more about, like, true, the the fascination with true crime. Um, And especially with, like, this weird uh, intersection of, like, a dead girl and Mm -hmm. true crime. Mm To, to sort of... Yeah, it's like like nothing is ever truly lost, but also in a way that's like very self-serving. Like I am the the person who's preserving it. Yes. Throwing a no, throwing no, no, a no. lot of spaghetti that's, at that's, the wall. No, no, no. That's really interesting. I'm just kind of like thinking it through. Um, because yeah, I think and I mean I think part of that goes back to that powder fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and this question of like. How do you how do you tell another person's life? How do you take ownership over telling the story of somebody else's life and death? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we think that if you can gather enough evidence and you can um, put together a plausible story, then then it's responsible storytelling. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is sort of like the. The conceit of history, right? Like the the fact that mm-hmm. history can be impartial, that it's possible to sort of just round up all the facts and present them uh, like this giant dewdrop of mm-hmm. truth, um, and the person will just like sip, sip it up 
um, and like process it themselves. Um, and this, I mean, and it's something that's you know un- unsurprisingly come into a lot of come under a lot of fire. Like this this idea that you could deduce something from serial, like the information that's been already filtered through eyewitness reports, through his, through age, through this the framing of the podcast. Um, it's seductive. I mean, it's seductive in the way, but like, it's also, we're dealing with someone, we're dealing with someone real. Like we're, we're presuming like you're going to be able to write an ancient wrong in the same way, like figuring out the, the twist to the fringe is not right. Yeah. There's two of them. Um, (laughs) sorry. The twist to fringe. There's two of them. I don't, I've actually never, I don't. (laughs) I mean, that is a twist in fringe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was trying to come up with something more contemporary, but I, I was like completely blanking on. Well, I mean, like trying to figure out who's a on Pretty Little Liars, mm-hmm. which was a seven-year-long journey that I took, <laughs> <laughs> and that of course was never really all that satisfyingly resolved. It's impossible to to satisfyingly resolve something that is so. I mean, I would argue like al- almost any detective show or like dead girl show like this that has sustained attention on one sort of crime um it's hard for that to be satisfying Mm -hmm. the conclusion to be satisfying it's always going to be um there's always going to be so much so many possible um answers Mm -hmm. interpretations um that seem more interesting than the one that is true. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah. And so I think, I don't know, Pretty Little Liars did an interesting thing where it sort of kept renewing the villain, renewing the mystery by, um, and the article alludes to this somewhat, but it was only written after there were four seasons. (laughs) Um, but the the dead girl at the heart of the show, Alison De Laurentiis, who is the you know beautiful blonde, you're you're noticing a trend, um, teen queen who is like kind of a bitch and um, you know treated her bullied people and bullied her friends and had a secret sexual life and um, all the usual things, and um, the the show sort of starts with the premise that she's dead. Um, and throughout the show makes you question that she, she appears in visions. She appears in flashbacks. You hear a voice, you find clues of her, you see something that maybe that's her. And like, ultimately you do learn she is alive. Mm -hmm. Um, she isn't dead. And like that completely like resets what the show has to be about, about in Mm -hmm. a way. I mean, the central issue is that the the main characters are being targeted by some sort of anonymous stalker with incredible powers who calls themselves a but um but that's all sort of premised on allison's death first um so it's it's interesting that um they kind of had to keep pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and pivoting um and providing you know different different A's. There were multiple A's. <laughs> there were multiple red herrings of who was A. There are tons of fake outs. Um, there were people pretending to be A. Um, they they straight up invented a new character for the last few seasons. Um, 
to be the like final A. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's really. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't even know what the word is. Like, I want to say, like, postmodernist or something. Like, it's it's messy. Um, it's messy. In a way that I think weirdly exposes the limitations of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you, want, do you want to pull that back? As a, oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, like, do you, do you want to take that, um, like, how, like, yeah, t- t- tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, I think in, in the sort of refusal to ever... Um, settle on a coherent narrative um it really like pushes back at the idea that there can be this coherent narrative Mm -hmm. of um you know this person killed this person because of this reason Mm -hmm. um pretty little eyes just straight up doesn't make sense half the time and that can be frustrating as a viewer but it also I mean, it feels ridiculous and over the top, but it does feel in a way truer. Like mm-hmm. that, the fact that there's there's no resolution, there's no satisfaction. Um, dead girl comes back from the dead, and <laughs> then there are other dead people, and it's just I don't know. It's do you want to talk about? So I don't know about Pretty Little Liars, but I mean, you you sort of talked about how it's it's circuitous, like sort of returns back to the a. Like, what do you think, um, like, what is this, what is the show's vision of, like, these group of young girls trying to live under this assault? Like, this all, like, this unending pressure. Yeah. So this is really interesting. I really feel like, at times, Pretty Little Liars is a show that is so very much about living under misogyny, living under male surveillance, living under, um, um really the the um like pretty little little liars really takes that trust no dad like as far as it can go um you know everybody's father practically is a scumbag at some point or another um several adult men hit on young girl actually basically every adult man in the town of rosewood where it's set um hit on young girls. One of the central romances on the show is between a a teacher and his student. And then this gets like problematized and then it's unclear if it's being romanticized. And then it's like really super, super creepy and they make it intentionally really creepy. And then they like soften it again. (laughs) Um, And, and uh, you know, the, the, for, for a while anyway, like, there was a really strong, like, don't trust any cop. The cops are all bad guys, um, which was true on the show. Like, mm-hmm. the cops were all bad guys. The dads couldn't be trusted. Teachers couldn't be trusted. Um, for, for the most part, adults couldn't be trusted and certainly not adult men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think throughout, as you're sort of wondering about who is A, um, the actual person that A is matters less than the um kind of inability for these girls to get help yeah the the inability to escape the Mm -hmm. constant barrage of abuse and and um and surveillance and um policing from this sort of like outside force Mm -hmm. that that i mean i don't be like is the patriarchy but 
I, I I sort of want to. So I'm I'm currently watching a show, a sci-fi original show, Channel Zero, uh, season two of. Okay, I don't know to what extent. Anyways, uh, it's really it's like kind of like a goofy horror show. Mm-hmm. Well, not that goofy, but the premise is like there's a bunch of kids. They find a house called like the No End House, mm-hmm. it's comprised of six rooms that supposedly each gets creepier and creepier. So it's kind of like a dead dad story. Like mm-hmm. the main character Margot, her dad committed like died um like before the show starts and she's like still very depressed over it because mm-hmm. it's only been a year anyways long story short she goes with her best friend two awkward dates plus like a like a couple like of some random people into the house um and by the end of the first episode she's coming back home to find her dad in the kitchen uh making breakfast for her um, unsuff- you know, mm-hmm. and the the second episode, which I finished earlier today, is just so it's so it's such a good horror show at the moment. I don't know. I mean, part of it we're kind of getting into like these weird, like explores a lot of like the strange dynamic between this father who knows he died mm-hmm. and his daughter, and like the the possessiveness of both the dead and the dad. Mm. <laughs> but I don't know. I like it. Um, yeah, I sort that of wanna... sounds good. That sounds up my alley. Okay, let's watch it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, with all the all the spare time I have. Yeah, of course. Um, you have so many shows. So, yeah. There are a couple other things I want to mention. Um, Top of the Lake is an interesting case in that it's a very... It's a written, directed by a woman, um, stars Elizabeth Moss in one of her best roles. She's amazing in it. Um, a really... I would say explicitly feminist show, um, kind of in the vein of a dead girl show, but the in the first season, um, the the sort of central mystery is not a murdered child, but a raped child um, who who is pregnant and um, who goes missing, and so the the main detective played by Elizabeth Moss is trying to figure out what happened to her, but is also um, and again, the article that we talked about alludes to this, is also trying to understand things that happened to her herself in her own life. Um, and that's also something Veronica Mars has. Veronica Mars is a little bit more of a classic um, dead girl show, except with your, you know, female, f- your female lead, um, who's solving the murder of her best friend. Um, and in that case, what is... Um, Actually, in both cases. So in in pretty or in Veronica Mars, the killer of um, the killer of Lily Kane's. I, I mean, it's again beautiful blonde girl who everyone thinks is so sweet, but she has a secret boyfriend and she's getting all to trouble and she's <laughs> um, and you know as you do she has this, all these secrets um, and it turns out that her killer is the father of her boyfriend because she was having an affair with him and she she basically threatened to expose him and he murdered her um so yet another sort of like bad dads um in so many ways and then in top of the lake the the sort of ultimate villain turns out to be um the male the male cop that uh Elizabeth Moss's character is working with. Um, So really like a systemic corruption um, Mm -hmm. through a very uh, masculine police force. Um, So I think these are more like 
trying to be explicitly feminist with their female leads and their sort of like girl power sensibilities. That's more Veronica Mars than Top of the Lake. Top of the Lake's a little subtler than that. <laughs> um, well, but I'm curious. Uh, I mean, it's something just occurred to me. I was like, I don't have that many secrets. I'm pretty sure, like, if I died tomorrow, it'd be like, oh, you know, she went to the art place at this time. Like, it's not. Yeah, I <laughs> and mean, I'm, I'm wondering what you know what that speaks to. Like, either this suspicion that you know you're not actually, you know, your you, your life must be interesting if you're hot or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, or that. Uh... That, that that there must be something corrosive underneath the surface of like a beautiful girl mm-hmm. like there there must be um some 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 danger there or something i think the the uh so much of it's never like she really likes to ride motorcycles and <laughs> you know it's always like she's 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 very sexual yeah. she you know drinks too much mm-hmm. she does drugs like it's it's usually has to do with um but mostly her being sexual like really right, that right. is that You're is a like, thing you never believe this she's really into birds right she yeah. has like four hundred dollars and she's an amazing fines. sword fighter like right. <laughs> just keeps checking out books about birds and forgetting to return them <laughs> anyways in um, conclusion birds killed her birds um, um yeah no but i think i think yeah i think that's exactly it's it's this this belief that like one, no woman, no girl can be innocent, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, two, if someone gets murdered, then in some way they caused it. They caused it. There was something they did. Like uh, a someone truly innocent wouldn't get murdered. wouldn't get raped and murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. And that's, I mean, yeah, and it's so, and we're we're coming full circle. To, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, like this idea that like a girl, a woman, like is corrosive, is corrupt, is corruptive, um, even and like you know even if she doesn't think she's doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. um, the community is suffering, and and it's and it's pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and and so often among the people sort of left behind, right, are her, um, her, her better, more moral, nicer mm-hmm. female friends who, through the grief of her murder, start sort of themselves corroding. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. or engaging in bad behavior. Um, like, what, what's her, Donna and Donna, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, you get this Veronica Veronica Mars goes from being you know a sweet little innocent girl to being like a hard badass who takes no shit um which is all fine but but yeah it does speak to this underlying um idea of the the sort of the corrosiveness of the bad the bad girl Mm -hmm. that we mistake for an innocent yeah I mean and it's or like the innocent yeah just Dead girl stories. Dead girl stories. Well, here's something. I don't. Ha- I don't have an answer to this, but I think it's worth just mentioning briefly. So, the most popular show that is almost in this genre that just came out is Riverdale. 
But Riverdale is a dead boy story. They killed Archie? <laughs> it's not Archie. Oh. Um, I don't know anything about Riverdale. Come on, Molly. Uh, it's um, Jason Blossom, twin of Cheryl Blossom. Oh, no. Killed in the bloom of his youth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, okay. But, I mean, it, it includes so many of these same tropes. It includes potential incest. It includes, um, you know, secret pregnancies. It includes secret affairs. Um you know, people people have that he seemed like this nice boy, but he had all these terrible secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the people around him have to try and like figure it out. Um, the the yes, I like this. That's like you were talking about earlier, not unrelated to Riverdale, but like this yeah. posthumous betrayal, like of people who are who was close to them. Like mm-hmm. they they can't stop hurting people even after they die. Right. Um, and that's that's absolutely true in Riverdale. That's mm-hmm. a thing that happens. Um, but for whatever it's worth, I didn't think River Riverdale was nearly as good as any of these other shows. <laughs> um, so I don't know if, if that's because it was a dead boy story or anything else, but... Yeah, we don't have a large sample size to go off of. Yeah, um, but it, but it was strange to me how, how well it fit the, the genre mm-hmm. while simultaneously sort of rebuffing this main central conceit. Mm-hmm. I still think it's crazy. I mean, it's. I mean, I just know. I know Riverdale's like Jughead is asexual, <laughs> and loves burgers. That's all I know about. He's not. He's not on Riverdale. He's not asexual on Riverdale. Oh, I was gonna... that's why people were mad. Oh, I thought you were gonna say he doesn't love burgers on Riverdale. Was... He he does eat a burger at one point, oh, but it's not pure fan service. Um, the best thing about Riverdale is Betty. She's the coolest character. Mm-hmm. Um. Who also is, you know, seems beautiful and innocent, and she is, but she has, like, all this pain and suffering underneath. Um, they all do. Don't we all? Don't we all. Um, all right. Uh, oh, that show also features a teacher-student relationship wherein the teacher is a woman and the student is a teenage boy. Um, and the show, even after kind of being, like, ooh, isn't this sexy for a little while, does kind of at one point go, hmm, this woman might be a predator. So... Okay. I don't know. What is Riverdale doing? I don't know. We don't know. But it's... It's interesting to think about, if not necessarily interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Any, any right. closing thoughts before we close the book on this haunted mm-hmm. chapter? No. It was a pretty pretty heavy episode. Yeah, I just yeah, I think I mean I think we kind of got to it straight at the beginning. The idea of like a woman's body is this like receptacle or this like vessel through which men are able to mm-hmm. um, experience life and and yeah. grapple with the nature of life and this, like, like consumption of yeah. And that's just that's just how it goes and sucks anyway. You know. uh, hey, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, wait, if, wait, oh. We, we do have a recommendation. I was going to just re- briefly thank everyone for, if you're listening, uh, we launched our podcast two weeks ago. We're aiming for it every Monday schedule, every, every other, other Monday, Monday. Um, schedule. Uh, follow us at, I'm going, if you hear any clicking sounds, it's because I'm now going to look at our email, which we haven't checked. I haven't checked. Have you checked it? I haven't. Um, and our Twitter. Wait, why are you doing this now? Don't we do this at... At the end. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Fine. Let's go. Let's go to recommendations. Oops. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what have you read or watched or enjoyed lately, Molly? 
Um, what what have I what have I read or watched? Um, we watched A Knight's Tale for the first time in a long time yesterday. That was pretty great. I miss Heath Ledger. Um, I honestly don't know. You've been you've been working with your students. I've, you've been reading your students' papers. Yeah, I've, I've I have been reading my students' papers, um, which I'm not allowed to talk about. Oh, okay. And um, <laughs> you go. I'll, okay. I'll think okay. Of yeah. Something. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so recently I've been working on my game, um, coming up with names for it, working on a tutorial, blah, 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 unrelated to this podcast. Um, I have, uh, watched, like I mentioned earlier, I started watching, uh, No End House, uh, which I'm enjoying a lot. Uh, first episode was pretty good. Second episode was creepy as hell, uh, which I'm here for. Um, I started a roguelike called Heat Signature, which is pretty interesting. It's like very... I've never played Hotline Miami, but I think it's very similar. Like, you go around real time, you, like, shoot, like, a in the space, roguelike. I'm not making any words put together, but um, it's fun. I mean, if you like real-time roguelikes, it has a pause feature so you can plan out your moves. Um, it's, like, procedural sp- cyber... Uh, procedural space opera generator, basically. Uh, and that's basically it. I'm excited for Annihilation. I loved Annihilation, the books, the southern reach trilogy and i want to see more of it yeah the trailer came out yeah um okay so i thought of what i've been i've been thinking um one the good place came back which i'm oh, very yeah. excited about yeah i also it was really a liked. unexpected delight uh last season um final final season of the mindy project um it's kind of weird so far if i think they're going to just basically find a way to cram mindy and danny together by the end. Wait, I thought he has left um, the show. Well, I guess, uh, he, he came back for the final for some episodes in the final season, oh. apparently. Um, so, who knows? And, um, but the main thing is I was going to a, uh, a conference last weekend. And um, for that conference, I was working on a paper that I um, wrote last year that's about the book Bitter Blue by Kristen Cashore. So I just want to probably not for the first time or the last recommend the book Bitter Blue by Kristen Cashore. It's an amazing, amazing book about trauma. It's a young adult novel. It's like a fantasy young adult novel, but it's like the deepest cut. Just like it just it just goes there. Um, And I just found out she's she just came out with a new book called Jane Unlimited. So I instantly bought it on Amazon and I'm very excited for it to arrive because I trust her. Jade Unlimited? Jane Unlimited. Oh, Jane. Okay. Um, because... Is it also Graceling? No, it's not in the Graceling realm okay. books. So it's a new, a new like thing. Unlimited meant, like, you know, that was her, like, power. No. In some way. Like... No. I don't know. I don't really know what it's about, to be honest. I was just like, hello, I love this <laughs> author. So... Well, Anne Leckie. Okay. We're, we're going off track. Anne Leckie also came out with her Yeah, new I book, saw that. Providence. Um, but I haven't gotten yet i wait for it to hit the library yeah um yeah so that's that's pretty much it yep all right oh i'm also been watching master of none which is a delight and <laughs> it's, it's funny um it's also about nothing so i mean not about nothing but it's not about i think it's interesting yeah. like sitcoms they're usually like a, a overriding character flaw like the, that people grapple with over long times is like subject to comedic mm-hmm. but it feels very like situated um so anyways yep uh, okay, now we can do the thank you for listening. 
Thank you for listening. This has been Story Guts. Um, follow us on Twitter at Story Guts Cast. No spaces. Or, and if you have any... Sorry. Why did I say no spaces? There are no spaces on Twitter. Well, they could be underscore. Okay, okay no, fine. Under- no underscores. At, no. at Story Guts Cast, all one word. Um, <sighs> you can email us at uh, storygutscast at gmail.com. Please feel free to send us any ideas for themes that we could talk about. We're also hoping in future episodes and weeks to have maybe some guest um, some guests on the show because I'm an English PhD student so I have a lot of friends who like to talk about this sort of thing. Yeah. So that might happen. We'll get um, some lovely new voices and lovely new perspectives. Yes. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for I mean, listening. Yeah, as always, um, Try to, I don't know, you review us, recommend rate, us, rate, rate and us. subscribe. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps. I mean, we're not really doing it for the money, but... Um, <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> um, but we do, we do have some gems that tumble out of our mouths every so every, often. Every now and then. Let's be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks a lot. And... Uh, Say your name. Oh, this has been Alice Lai. <laughs> and this has been Molly Curran. And thanks for listening to Story Guts. Stay hungry. Are you going to say? No. You can do the end. I say the beginning okay, thing. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, I... I'm not going to try and say it at the same time as you. That's never going to work. It, it, it worked can... one time on accident. We can also do it. We can also, like, count it down. No, okay. I don't think that's necessary. Okay. Just say it. It's fine. Oh, God. I felt like it should be collaborative. Okay. Okay.